Walking Through Glass, the podcast, the podcast where you are invited to ear hustle on an intimate conversation between real women as they discuss their journey, joys, and diva hacks. I am your host, Dr. Dina C. Brown, executive coach, international best-selling author, and bold woman walking through glass every day. Walking Through Glass is about the struggle we face on our journey, which I describe as walking through glass. Our conscious conversations are all about real talk with real women that are doing their best to navigate fear, anxiety, depression, imposter syndrome, limited beliefs, negative self-talk, and other BS, you know, belief systems. Welcome to the show. All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Walking Through Glass, the podcast. Of course, you know, we're in our special issue about race, class, and sisterhood. And I am so excited today to have Nicole Good join us on the show. Nicole, how are you doing? I am wonderful, considering. (laughs) (laughs) And with that considering, I know that you're going to give us a little bit, you know, a little bit more because the, the world is on fire, literally and figuratively (laughs) speaking right Mm now. Mm -hmm. And as we step back and look at where we go next, as we step back and look at, okay, now what, um, what, what are your thoughts on, on that at this point in time? What do you think is next? What do you think is going to happen? What do you think? I mean, there's so many, what should happen, what is happening. And more importantly, you know, the, our role as women mm-hmm. in this next phase of the movement. Uh, what you got for us today? Okay, so what I got, what's next? What can people do next? Okay, so of course we know um, the issue of the looting has been quite volatile as far as perspectives, right? Some people saying, I don't condone it. Some people saying, I understand it, but I'm not necessarily for it. And then there's some people that's like, you know, go ahead, take it all, tear it all up. And so I'm not here to to argue or advocate for any particular perspective in that area. What I would say is what I have always been doing, you have had scholars like uh, Claude Anderson advocate for, strongly advocate for and teach. And I'm also um, an advocate and teacher of it and I practice it, right? So I'm not asking anybody to do anything that I don't do, but it is the most workable 
and one of the most next effective steps, which is ethno aggregation. Now, ethno aggregation, people may be saying, I'm not going to assume that everyone knows what that means, but that's basically, you know, um, buying, spending, supporting economically within your own community. Um, this is not uh, a new strategy. Uh, most, a lot of different racial and ethnic uh, ethnicities or ethnic communities practice ethno-aggregation. Uh, African-Americans in particular have not had as strong of an emphasis as they need to for their livelihood, um, to have economic power, not spending power, economic power to influence and to change not only their economic situation as individuals and as a people and a nation, but to influence policy and law, political. Because see, you got you got to put your money where your mouth is in capitalism, right? And so you'll hear people push, oh, you got, we got trillions in spending power. That's a consumer. That's yes. a consumption. The consumer is the slave. Right. What do you own? Right. You can even think in the philosophies of Karl Marx. Right. And you can talk about the bourgeoisie and the patolerate. If you do not own, you are in the patolerate. So so sometimes people get confused about where they fall uh, within a struggle. They're like, well, you know, I'm prominent. You know, I have degrees. I'm highly educated. I make a good living. What do you own? And in that ownership and in this acquisition of wealth, do you have enough power and influence to that have, part? Right. To advocate not only for yourself and your best interest, but the interest of your people, because just taking care of you is not sufficient. As a matter of fact, if that taking care of you betrays the, the interest of the community or the nation in which you come from, it's not really in your best interest. Here goes the other thing. African-American specifically, because I'm going to deal with America and not the whole entire, uh, you know, diaspora, right? African-Americans don't really understand and see themselves as a nation, so they don't operate that way. See, how you think and how you see yourself is how you're going to act, is how you're going to engage. This is how you're going to do business. And so the next powerful step and effective step is not the only step, but the next one. If people are just saying, what can I do next? Support Black-owned businesses, right? Supporting Black-owned businesses is a purposeful lifestyle. It's not a one-off event. That part. That part. <laughs> it's not a one-off event. It is a lifestyle. For me, I have been practicing it for years. Again, if you want to intricately understand ethno-aggregation, Claude Anderson is... Uh, has studied it for, for decades, for years. You're talking about in Jewish communities and other communities, yeah. their money circulates at least 10 times through their community before it leaves out. This is not about, oh, I don't like this group or I don't like these people. This is about loving your people. So much so that you secure that first before it goes anywhere else. I, I was sitting having a conversation yesterday. I'm, you touched on so many points. I was like, okay, yep, 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 ding, yep. And I was having a conversation because I spent the last couple of days since um, 
and and I say this with a tad bit of um, you know, sarcasm when everybody became woke <laughs> as to what was happening. And I've been in a lot of conversations and a lot of questions. And there's people that generally, honestly, say, "Okay, I want to do something." There's white people that are saying, "Let me help." And so I've had some conversations. Um, that were some tough conversations, which is what kicked off the whole concept of having this as a special series um, with Walking Through Glass, is that people don't know what they don't know. However, once you do know, then you need to do better. And in this effort to try to do better, I'm seeing right now this deluge of people wanting to assuage their guilt by throwing money temporarily at um, black businesses and, and they're not really understanding the root of it all. And so I've been having conversations about the institutionalization of racism and the systemic mm-hmm. piece. And that if we want to begin to break down what's occurring, we have to look at it from a systems space an yes. space, as opposed to that. And I say that because of this, I had, like I said, I had multiple calls and, and I said, you know, you're saying now that you're going to reframe your business. And I was in one particular group and I applaud the people in the group who are like, what can I do? And I said, why don't you sit in a minute and think longevity? <laughs> so when you said, I want to start supporting Black-owned business, are you talking about permanently? Are you talking about you're going to start to invest um, in membership, shopping, making sure that they could get a you know a nice percentage on a loan? Make what? what? Because you're saying, now I'm going to go. And you're saying, what Black businesses out there? Let me buy this. I said, because that's often a temporary fix to sue is your own guilt, as opposed to saying, let me really look at how I can attack this from a systems perspective mm-hmm. and get involved and, and, and have put my money where my mouth is. And so I've seen this knee jerk reaction mm-hmm. across the board. And so when you speak about ethno aggregation, I'm not still seeing, I'm seeing an increase of on black saying now I'm getting ready to support my other black business owners and stuff like that. But even still, like you said, until you really see yourself in a greater sense of self, then it's still a temporary space as opposed it's to very reactive. It's very reactive. reactive. And so and, I, I and I'm not I am not going to trivialize that it that that it may be a reaction, just turn that reaction to being more proactive and intentional, yes. very purposeful. Okay. Don't wait until every time something uh, happens um, to decide to support your nation. And I keep saying nation. That's what uh, African-Americans have. They don't see themselves that way. They don't see themselves independently. What does that look like? Right. Uh, how do we do that? Because they, they were so entrenched but they at the bottom to. of the system. But they also don't want to. Like I, I yes. And I say this because when we study, and I said, people, you have to understand American Negro slavery, which was totally different than slavery. The old slave been around. Yes. But American Negro slavery? Peculiar institution. It's a peculiar institution. I said, and it's a mentality. I said, and it's more than, so when you say, you know, well, it's, when you think about the, what's been the marks, the indelible marks that's been left on the psyche for generations, mm-hmm. that's different than you're saying, okay, well, you need to forget about something, do better, or you shouldn't. 
these it was deliberate psychological attacks. <laughs> yes. Deliberate. So it still doesn't there. go away. And it's still there. And it's still right? there. So mm-hmm. you have to be intentional. You have to be conscious because unconsciously, when you continue to act, you don't act often in your best interest. It interest because you don't even really have a sense of awareness subconsciously at this remote because you might be a, a degree or two removed but subconsciously those those mindsets are still there yeah, so right. the, the, fear, the fear is there it's the, the fear, fear is there. instilled psychologically um the fear has been let me take it a step further beyond the fear the trauma is now in the dna you see Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is there are scientific, psychological, sociological studies that have proven that you can keep trauma within your DNA. It's like a genoculture per, per se, but it, it's trauma going, it, it's trauma being instilled there. Right. People talk about it in a spiritual sense of having, you know, a knowing about your ancestors. Right. Or if we're even talking about in a woman's sense, a wound clearing. A lot of times one of the aspects is um, the clearing of ancestral trauma, not just your recent, your own. Right. Right. And so it's in there. And that's the part that um, teaching our people that something very heinous inhumane, monstrous, barbarous has occurred to you and your people. And you, we, we need to collectively heal. But in that healing, it must be empowerment. There must be a teaching of uh, a knowledge, a sharing of knowledge, and a growing into an expansion of wisdom. Right? I, I, oh my gosh, I, I don't mean to interrupt you. When you were saying that, it was just a couple things that fought, and I wanted you to speak to that because I've also seen, and we talk about the healing and the trauma and still this desire to placate, I've seen an overwhelming abundance of Black people to really prove to their white friends that they, it's not them that they don't like. And that I've seen this having to validate and have to go back and say, I, although I'm speaking up for my people, it don't mean I still like my white friends. And I've seen this, it's an energy attached to it. So not that they can't say it, you don't say it, but it's a certain energy. Fear. They're still operating in a spirit of fear because it's in there because they know what happened when, what happens historically, right? What happens when you stand up just for your right to exist? The people that we identify as being black. Now, remember, black is a social construct. Right. 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 They created that. They created race. Now, there is a African descendant. There is African. It, those things are there. Yes. Right. But they created that structure to set up their system. And so what does that mean for those who we are black, identify as black? Uh, what does that mean when, when we just say you will? This is not a negotiation. Right. You will treat me with respect and you will not treat me as if I am not a human being. Right. Doesn't even make scientifically doesn't even make any sense because uh, it is what we identify as white 
or those that were identified as Caucasian, the European, that descend from the Neanderthal. That's a subspecies. Their DNA was mutated. Right? The African is the original. So why does that which is of Africa, a direct descendant, have to keep justifying its human existence? Right. Right. So that's the thing is that they don't. They, matter of fact, that's referred to what white fragility. Right. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the system. I'm talking about racism. Clearly. And if you are a person that identifies as white, mm-hmm. which part of that can you not see? Because you don't want to be mistreated. And if you had to, if, if, if they had to trade places, which they would not, you ask a white person, if you had to trade black uh, places with a black person, would you? No, absolutely not. Well, why not? Right? Why not? And so if you know that that, I don't want to say black is a predicament, but being black in America is a hell of a predicament. It is. <laughs> no, it is. No, it is. It's like, and, and you have to think about that. But I also had a conversation and there there's two. And I'm so, I'm so glad that to have this conversation with someone who, who know, who, who's informed. And I say that because that's a big problem. People are just like, well, you know, black people are being racist. Black people cannot be racist. <laughs> racist <laughs> is the power. They don't even have the power to enforce that. They don't understand that part. And so we had an engaged conversation. I had an engaged conversation yesterday because I said, what you don't understand and what I, the reason why, again, I, used to speak on and talk about, study, teach a lot, this, this for years. And I've been quiet about a lot of things, but I couldn't sit quiet anymore when I kept hearing the ignorance on both sides. And, and, and ignorance, what I meant is a lack of understanding, awareness of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And then people are blindly repeating statements because they want to know. They want to be conscious. And that's why I said ignorance is deadly because people are just saying, I heard this. I don't really kind of know the truth. And so I'm repeating it. Research and study. This is the thing. What I have found in the society that we're in, in this technological advanced society, this selfie, this celebrity culture we live in, this this very, uh, it is a society of the spectacle, right? (laughs) So everybody, they just want to see something. You know, they don't want to go read it. They don't, they, they don't want to, like, even this audio for some people, they may feel like, you know, I want to see, I want to see. I need you to open your ears and hear. And I need what I'm saying to not just sit on your ear. I need it to enter into your mind, into your spirit. Take it all the way in. Then you also have people, when you're talking about ignorance, you're explaining it. You're providing evidence for it. And there's still a refusal to accept truth and or facts, cognitive dissonance. Right, we're entering a whole nother level of ignorance there. I say people love the lie. You tell them the truth, they start choking. Right, but and this is part when we start to talk about the power of the psyche, mm-hmm. and I think that people don't understand it's deeper than. So when we begin to say this, I said, you guys don't. What I want you to understand, to begin to be to process, is that is deeper than 
what you're speaking to is about some surface. So I'm glad that you're that you're making the move and that you're 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 starting the first stages. But it's almost like trying to till really compacted soil, and so you got to start breaking it up. <laughs> Before you could even get the rake in there to start loosening up the soil to dig down to even plant anything is that you have this shell of um, ignorance around what it means to be white in America, what it means to be black in America. And people say, we don't have, you know, so we just got the human race. Do you know that the race is a categorical system that was established to segregate mm-hmm. and segment and and, no, and, and create a hierarchy. So when you say that, it again, there's this repetition. And so that's why I keep saying that's the power of knowledge and that's the power of systemic application mm-hmm. Of, mm-hmm. of ideals. And so we have to attack that. Yes. So get mad, get angry, but do something deeper than and make a plan and make a strategic plan. And so I've had people say, what do I do? I said, the first, I need you to work on you. <laughs> I need you to be clear because you out here trying to do stuff and you don't even know what you're doing and you think you're doing it because you're doing it for, I said, but I need you to understand that if you want to become an anti-racist. And so really a lot, I'm sure we're talking about how do you become an anti-racist is that first you have to deal with your own ish. Control yourself. Control yourself. And you find your role in moving forward. And it's not what someone else dictated for you to do. Because what happens when the when the momentum dies or gets tough, you go back, well, I did it for them. And then when people don't respond to what you did, you can't want to say something you didn't do, you know, from your own calling, your own anointing. Yes. And so you're saying, well, I did it for them. And and I said, then again, you've now not taken accountability for your own role Mm -hmm. in, in supplementing this institutional society that is built on racism, African-American, um, the backbones, you know, I can say the backbones of their soul in a sense. And I know souls are that bone, but figurative and mental, if you can see that, if you, if you understand. So I was sharing yesterday with a group and I did a round table okay. on, um, and I'm going to do it every month now on um, racial literacy. Mm. It's called racial literacy for leaders okay. because, you got to understand the language and the terms so that you can understand what to speak and what to pour and how to lead. And I say that because you also have to deal with your own bias because implicit bias is real. I had to deal with my own mm-hmm, mm-hmm. biases in mm-hmm. regards to what it was to be black in America. Mm-hmm. And, and before and I opened my mouth, you know, we're so dynamic. Yeah, but I had to I had to deal with that because I had to deal with, again, my journey and and why and how I was thinking and feeling and the things I allowed to come out of my mouth mm. in regards to where we're at in this struggle and my role in that. And in an effort and you think about historically, where have you been and, and when you've been put in certain situations. And I had a conversation where I said I had to deal with that one point in time. I said, I am a more, even though I knew and I've known and I've studied, it it did not stop me from not wanting to be associated with that group of. Mm-hmm. And so that was planted very early on. It was planted very early on because when we were in school, I was part of a busing piece. So they took us from our neighborhood schools. I was bused to predominantly white school. I've always been in a predominantly white institution. 
And I've been only all the way through the same way. Oh, and and I've been a lot of the only. And in that space, I had to prove because at that time it was like, okay, you're bus because we want to desegregate the schools, but I still had to deal with the um, explicit <laughs> biases <laughs> that happened and occurred, and also being said the token. But I also heard a lot. And well, that's why I said you got to go back in your tape and hear what you've been hearing about yourself, because that's what you begin to speak about yourself, which is why you need to speak differently to yourself. And that point is I always heard from I'm talking about I can remember as early first and second grade. You're not like them. Mm. But who is them? See, oh, you're so smart. Oh, you're so well mannered. Oh, you talk this. You're not like them. I heard that and didn't consciously begin to associate the impact of hearing that during my earlier developmental years, especially as it relates to being black and being a black woman in America, Mm -hmm. you know, how that impacted how I was making decisions about how I showed up as a black woman in America. Mm. And so it was, I had to deal with my own ish. So I told people, wait, hold up. First, before I open them up, I had to deal with my own and decide how am I going to, how is this in the, where I'm going to enter? And I'm not going to let somebody else dictate because I'm not down there riding on Long Beach Boulevard with a sign to my child. I said, that's not where I see my space. And as I said into what I wanted to do next, I created and constructed my plan and my anti-racist longevity plan, (laughs) as opposed to my temporary reaction to a situation. I said, and so people want to talk to you and you have, you know, your neighbors, other people, oh, you're not black because you're not. No, I am black. But here's how I'm going to attack the situation. And I'm comfortable attacking. It's just like even in American society, like, like everybody's not in the military. Right. Right. So everybody's not going to be the general, the soldier and this and that. You have to do what you need to do. Some people are going to be your scholars, your teachers. Right. They are um, creating knowledge. They are sharing knowledge. Um, there is an acquisition of knowledge. All of those different. So everybody has to figure out. And you may have uh, more, uh, more than one thing you're gifted in. But it, it, it's a thing where we, you know, in society and I'm not going to say we because I don't. <laughs> you know, a lot of people have found that anytime someone is doing something different from themselves. Right. Uh, they, they have a critique for it. Well, why aren't you out here marching? Well, some people, you know, they're out there peacefully protesting. And then you have people that are out there, you know, like, hey, are we, you're going to hear us. Right. We're going to bust this open. We're going to tear this up. And so you have people that are doing the peaceful protest going, oh, no, no, no. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're doing. And then now you see that corporations, um, different celebrities, different political uh uh, power structures and influences. They're saying, oh, you know, look, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And even in Atlanta, they have swiftly, you know, uh, the six officers that tase the, the college students, I believe from Spelman and Morehouse. Okay. So they're already, you know, <laughs> getting ready to handle this, this particular case expeditiously. But why though? Would that have happened if we were not in these current riotous circumstances right because most people are going to lean towards yeah it's all the protests it's a combination that's what i tell people it's a combination of things and that a war can occur and often does on many fronts therefore you have to have people in many spheres 
operating in the interest of your people, right? And so the rioters have a role that's significant. The peaceful protesters have a role. Those who are um, long-term activists who have been doing this long before this situation, yeah, who have been teaching and speaking through social media on this, like this type of platform, um, been there for years, and so it all plays a role. Like, I, I'm to a place where I'm saying to people, let's another another thing that we need to do next, outside of the ethno aggregation, also outside of the pro yourself, so you can be pro black or pro whatever you are, right? Because I'm more focused on the pro than the anti. So you can get right. pro, all that other stuff that's going on. You gonna you gonna get that in order anyway. The other thing is the infighting. It is not constructive. We need to hear each other and synergize. We always think it's just absolute one way. We push religion that way. We push every almost every idea. It's like people cannot fathom multiple things at one time. Yes, you can. Train your mind. Command your mind. It's just like you don't have to be one thing in one lifetime. Command your mind. Right? Stop all the infighting. Have a dialogue or exchange. Maybe multiple people. So it's going to be more than a dialogue. Make it constructive and learn synergy. Because usually, if you take a lot of good ideas, you can make something so amazing. But it is formidable. And that's the thing. You you have a lot of, uh, I want to be the one. I want to be the, the organization that leads. I want to be the vanguard of this movement. I want to be the activist that everybody remembers. I want to be the Malcolmist. I want to be, do your work and you will be. Right. Stop fighting your own because in there, you're easily divided. So in fighting, you're, you're weakening yourself. You're weakening your own position. But part of that is also part of the psychological construct of a yes. slave mentality. And so that's why I said you've got to become conscious of what happened and occurred and aware of really the psychological warfare. Yes. <laughs> that, that they need to understand systems. They have to understand systems. And in the same way the system was part and built it is the same way you have to bring it back down systemically. And, and that's where you talk about um, long-term investment, um, the <laughs> aggregation, and you talk about really looking at policies and procedures mm-hmm. and constructs that really support the growth, the emergence. And um, I had um, the conversation that I was speaking to was with, again, in a corporate space to leaders and about, so what does that begin to look like? And so as we talked about, is that not just creating a job, but creating a sponsor, not a mentor. Because a mentor almost always implies that they don't know how to do it. A sponsor opens the door and says, here's your seat at the table. And I'm going to put my name on the line for you. (laughs) And I'm going to get you into this this corner office. I'm going to get you into this management position and leadership position. And I'm going to stand, you know, with you to make sure that your seat is covered. And I said, so that's when we start to begin to attach the the systems and not just say, well, I'm going to mentor you to help get you ready. No, many are ready. And and they're waiting for them to have a seat at the table, but because the institutional um, systems that have been built to keep them outside of, which again, it's the power of the mind. And like I said, I know it's a whole nother show is that people, you've got to understand how the brain works, the mind works and how those indelible marks 
are so deeply rooted and seated until you become conscious of them and you can't really learn how to mitigate them to move around them. And then you're so much in denial because you don't want to say that's who I am. Mm-hmm. And no, let me, let, let, let me, let me interject here and add in going uh, back to digressing back to your system. So for those who are listening, when we're talking about systems, you're, you're talking about, Dr. Dean is referring to structural, uh, societal, economic, political. The field that teaches you that is sociology, right? (laughs) So I am a sociologist and a sexologist. So one of the things I would um, recommend is if you are really trying to understand these particular systems and much more about the society at a more in-depth, critical thinking level, right, Um, start reading uh, sociological studies and uh, books and scholars, right? The other thing that I would advocate for that you don't hear as much, but I've definitely heard it, especially in Afrocentric um, and and, uh, circles, is military science and the study of warfare. Yes. And I would tell people, you can start at the art of war, right? I love The Prince, and I love... The um, Prince is another one, um, and... um, you know, I tell people start there. People don't really understand uh, warfare strategy, um, military science and things like that, which is something, you know, I took uh, in middle school and high school. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. so, and my father was a Marine Corps officer. So they don't really understand that because you want to be more strategic in that. You want to be more organized than that. But that doesn't reduce you down to a protest. Right. It doesn't reduce you down. So that's the point. Studying what methods you have. Look at those before you that have been successful. A lot of people know about Shaka Zulu. Hannibal, study. Study them. General Sherman, that march, did total warfare and set Atlanta to Savannah on fire. He he, he did a whole thing right there, right? That's why we have the Rising Phoenix here in Atlanta. Right? That's where your 40 acres and your mules are, all that. All that. Where all that that's, that whole story came from. Study people like that. What were their tactics? So there's a lot of things here that need to happen and need to be advocated for. I would also tell people to be uh, more um, intentional in their learning and more open in their learning. Uh, one of the things they can look at is critical race theory. Yes. Morality, Say that again. Matrix of privilege. <laughs> right? I'm- I have okay. I'm sorry. I had chills for a minute because I I'm 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 having a moment because this it's the terminology and it's understanding and and awakening yourself to what is really going on will get you past the reaction to your response mm-hmm. and and <laughs> and so <laughs> you talk about that critical race theory and trying to explain that and so I thought about okay when I was doing my roundtable and I said. In order for us to start discussing what you could do next, I said, I'm going to have to enlighten you. Again, that's why I said this racial literacy for leaders mm-hmm. is really beginning to break down what these terms are, what they look like, and what you as a leader can begin to do and for you to ask questions to say, okay, how do I do that? You know, how do I communicate that? in a difficult situation? How do I have a courageous conversation? Because what has to happen is a courageous conversation and you have to own up to your own lack of accountability and your own, you have to own up to your own role in perpetuating 
the system it, which permeates through your organization. You need to learn to, to study leadership more intricately because the, the leader is in service too. Yes. Huh? Yes. So they need to study what that is a little bit more. I would say, especially with some of the political leaders we have, they're for themselves, they're for their political career. And it's often at the expense of their own people. With the exception, I, I want to... You know what? I want to make that more specific. What we identify as black leaders, because ethno aggregation is heavily practiced amongst the people that refer to themselves or we call white. At the end of the day. They're going to uphold. Their position. If that was not the case, we would not be here. Yep. Right. So one of the things I tell African descendants here in the in, in in the Americas is stop going to the oppressor begging for them to see your humanity, begging for them to give you what is rightfully yours from the moment you were born. You were born worthy. You were born human. And there are some rights that are there from the moment of birth. Period. And you have a right to be. You have a right to exist. You have a right to exist without threat of your life being taken. You have a right to prosper and flourish in this life. See, it's that mindset, that consciousness, again, we keep going back to because I don't really believe because of the field I am, I'm in sociology and sexology, right? What I see amongst my own people. And I have a focus in that area with African descendants, right? Regardless of what the ethnicity or ethnic identification is, is that I see that in there, deep-seated, there's an inferiority complex embedded. Yes. A lot of things they don't actually believe are theirs naturally. It's nothing that you have to prove. Uh, I, I always use the example of a, 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 a black man in a in a a white man, a, a black man is constantly under this kind of pressure to assert his manhood or to prove his manhood. Yet when a white man, when he's born as a white baby, as a white boy, it's assumed that he will become a man. Yeah. You will sit there and call a black man a boy and he's, he's well into his 30s. And maybe in some sense, you'll see Again, that post-traumatic slavery trauma there where it's even cultivated sometimes in our uh, black male children. He is he is kind of his his manhood is somewhat tested and restricted and controlled. It's not natural to be a slave. It's not natural to be oppressed. That man is not supposed to be under the foot, under the hand of another man. No human is supposed to be oppressed, male or female, but that's very unnatural. And so there's another type of thing that we deal with within our own community as far as consciousness about specifically the liberation totally of our people the recognition and the empowerment and the restoration of the honor and the respect that our women had prior to the transatlantic slave trade, right? Yes. 
All right. And our men, our men, they are killing our men. They're wearing them down. But this is nothing new. Right. This is nothing new. And so there's so many things. I feel like this is this is um, a replay of watching, again, a rebellious and a defiant African male being tied to a tree in front of his wife um, and children and beat or having him tied up while you have your foreman or your white slave master rape his daughter. And they would rape him. They would rape him in front of the and that too, and the other man in front of the the whole right community. Right. So to to break, to break, to break, and I keep saying to break, 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 break. So what you see around you right now is shattered glass. Yes. Okay. And so, and and when I say this shattered glass. In the sense of what's just recently occurred with George Floyd, um, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Aubrey, is you see this white fragility because they've been sitting in a glass house. And so now, because of the powerful use of a camera phone. So when I, 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 I so let me say something right When you say glass house, you're talking about this white fragility, and they're seeing now. You're 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 saying that you believe a lot of them are just now going like, oh, you know, I didn't know this was still going on. I, I didn't know, I didn't this, know this, this was still going on. Oh, I didn't know this was happening. What? If I was standing there and they said it to me, I'm like, that's a lie. Right. No. Right. No. I said I, that's, that's part of my second point is that. That's what that whole mindset thing. Oh, I didn't. You did know. That's my point where I kept saying, here's what you guys, the missing piece where I sit and I and I process this. I said, is that this has been going on. You've been part and partial. You've been at the water cooler. You've been at the family picnics. And I, we'll talk about that. in the You know. But now that it was captured and broadcast differently because of technology, because of social media, now you're having to deal with all of that shattering around you. And not only the world, but your neighbors, but even us saying now, now what? What are you going to do? Because even, even, even with this captured on film. Even the fact that he knew he was being watched. So I'm just going to speak to George Floyd for a second because that, that hit me yeah. differently than anything else. It hit me differently when I looked at his face in the, ca- and the camera. Was, the camera. Okay. When I just looked at his face and how he sat there so casually. He meant it. Were talking to him. He meant it. And I think there's more to the story, but that's a whole, I'm not going to derail that. <laughs> the same thing. It was cold-blooded. He meant it. Was cold-blooded. It. And I think there's some other behind-the-scenes things. I said, but here's the part that I want people to marinate on for a minute, if they will. If you would humor me and marinate for a minute. What disturbed me to my core is that he truly believes that even though there were witnesses, even though it was caught on film, even though he's still going to get away with it because. That's the, that's the historicity of part that hits me. And that's what's written all over his face. And it was perpetuated in the initial 
autopsy where they tried to say he died from his comorbidities. Why? The comorbidity being black in America? Because, I mean, <laughs> so it... And so, and I said, people, you have to understand we keep saying institutionalized racism, institutionalized, institutionalized, because, because is that when the first people have to understand why it was so important for them to falsify that report. Because they've done it with so many. It's, I can think of that's the systematic of it, which is why I said you guys mm-hmm. bigger than so. Mm-hmm. Okay, go out, have your peace, you know, put it funds, but get deep in it, get in it. If you want to get into it, get into it and understand the institution and the system. Because the reason why they needed to falsify the report was so that if they could acquit, because they could say he didn't kill him. He died because it, so so that's why that part is important that you got to know that and so you like, well oh so yeah they did have a second independent one done which said he died from asphyxiation but the fact is you got to see that even in the mist even highlighted and broadcasted for the world to see the institution still institutionalized was gonna, racist they, they, they was gonna live push the lie <laughs> they were gonna right. push the lie. That's the part that I keep saying, people, can we talk about that part? Okay, yeah, someone, some broke the window. Okay, yeah, we're going to help them clean that up. But can we talk about that? Because see what it is? Because that's the part that a lot of what you were talking about earlier, African-Americans don't want to deal with because they don't want, there are, a lot of them are already trained. You don't, you don't, you don't speak to white people like that. You'll go cuss out some black people on some, some bull crap. Oh, some foolery. Um, that it's watch what you say to them, and not just simply because watch what you say because of their fragility. Watch what they say because they'll kill you. Yes. Okay. So it's a legitimate fear. So I mean, not to negate that it's legitimate. It's right. legitimate. But we are at a point, and I've been there, right? <laughs> been there. Probably been like this since I was a child. Been there. At some point. You have got to let the, the spirit of fear go. Now, most of the, a lot of black people are Christians. They identify as such. They claim to live as such. And doesn't, what I say? Read your Bible. What does the Bible tell you? It, God didn't give you a spirit of fear and timidity. He didn't give you that. He didn't give you that. So why keep operating in that? Why? And they're like, well, they're going to kill me. Okay. They're killing you anyway. There's multiple ways to bring death upon a soul, upon a body. You can be, a lot of black people are walking dead. Because they're killing you in your emotions. They're killing you psychologically. They're killing you uh, economically. It's a a slaughterhouse. Right. They're killing you politically. And then you see all of that enter into our families. Right? Because the family is now what? A microcosm of the macro. And so you see that in our families. Come back down again. Then you see it in the relationship between the husband and the wife, the man and the woman. All right? So at some point, it's got to stop. You know, even when I was talking about the black man and the stressors that he has, you're right. We don't have time to come home and fight each other. Yet there we are, the man and the woman, stressed. Dealing with nonsense. Unnecessary. I'm not saying that white people are doing it all. At this point, and 
there has been, what's her name? Frances Chris Wilson referred to this. We now, we do this to each other now. And then back to the system, they can set it up to where now you're killing yourself one way or the other, which is why, you know, I have, you know, my school, my business that I have, and I deal intricately with the spirit, spirituality and intimacy, the emotions and the psychology of the individual in the, in, in the man-woman relationship. Because it's like a domino effect. It doesn't just stop at the economics. So we've got to gain control of it. And one thing is to step outside of the spirit of fear. And what you said is, come on, let's start with you. Let's start with your thinking and your mindset. Right. Right. Open to open to learning. Open to, to finding out new information. Open to the fact that what you believe may very well not be true. See, that's a hard one. Ooh, say that. Ooh, say that. Can, can we say that so that we, that's a tweetable? Can we say that? Right. And, and so that's what people, because it, they believe that it, it's just like if you start, someone starts to present questions about some of the texts and elements of the Bible. They feel that if something comes into question, you, you're now saying, don't believe in Jesus. No, that's not what they're saying. What they're saying is think deeper, go further. It says King James Version. That's a version. What does that mean? And why did he make that version? What is that supposed to do with, to you? Start connecting the dots. People don't want to think that far because they don't want to get that close to the truth. They don't. They don't because things have to change. It, it, it basically is going to unravel what they believe and what they think. But it does not mean now that you have to change your faith. It means you're going to evolve in your faith. Here goes the other thing. They need to seek out those who know and seek out teachers and understand that the teacher, the messenger, the oracle, the guide, right? The priestess, the priest, whatever, the scholar, the professor, whoever it is, may not look the way you thought they would look. But you do need to find those who are going to speak truth to power. You do need to seek those who constantly study because the greatest teacher is a lifelong learner. Always learning. They're always acquiring knowledge. They're always open to knowledge. They're open to even learning from their students. Wow. That's the thing. That's the thing that that's always been my kind of thing with um, my people because my people, black people, African descendants, because I am Boricua as well, but that's still African descent, right? And so is that be more open to learning and not so much every aspect of it always has to have entertainment to it right that I've got to come out you got to you got to see me this way I got to dress this way I got to do all these different things for you not that I do that I just show up as myself and it's quite it's it, you know one thing is it pulls you all out of your box right I created my existence for that it is to define everything inside of your head you're going to think because i look this way that it's impossible that i'm an intellectual you're going to think because i talk this way it's impossible that i'm this intelligent but see that's what what where we're at this is the zygus that we're at at this particular juncture of human existence come out of your box and only you can do that that's not someone else's responsibility everybody wants to constantly be motivated by something your own existence your own existence is pure power center yourself in there and be inspired by your own profound 
own existence. There's no one else like you. There's no one else. Even a twin doesn't have your exact DNA. Right. That's how profound your existence is. Be inspired by that. And then along the way, what does it say? When the student is ready, the teacher appears. We got to get to a point where we don't always need like this one leader. Like we had, we had Dr. Martin Luther King, we had Malcolm. We're very tribal, you know, come up. And then once he's gone or whatever, things kind of fall off. Now, of course, things transition. And then we had the Black Panthers. But, you know, there was a constant assault. Uh, an agenda to destroy those organizations and murder and assassinate those leaders. We should be building up our people and our young people and every generation to where you could take this one out and it's another one. It's another, it's another yes. one. And another yes. one. And another one. And another one. And, and, and another one. And guess what? You will, you will have to surrender to this because we will not in any form or fashion. I will not pack a towel. I will not bow down. I will not white flag. I am not, none of it. So let me ask you this, because I know like we could go, I we always can go like forever and 15 days. And I want to, <laughs> and I want to, and I said, I want <laughs> which we like, y'all, you know, stay tuned for the, the, the new series. <laughs> We're going to be on that. Is that, and you know, number one, hands down, I'm going to tell you that Nicole knows how much I love her, her work, her work as a sexologist, as a sociologist. And so, Y'all have to understand, you know, she knows she's always welcome. She all she'll be like, hey, can we can we do an episode today? So yes, you'll be hearing definitely more from her on every platform that I got. Okay. So, but what I want to make sure that I and and be able to like sum up and wrap up for them. Yes, ma'am. Because as we talk about like the thought space and we talk about how to move the needle with themselves, be able to be able to add their needle to create synergy. You know, um, in the in the bigger sense of that, what could black women do, particularly all people too? But I really want to. What would you recommend? Because I know that we've been impacted in so many different ways through this journey and struggle. When we talk about black business owners, that's been impacted. Female women, black business owners that have been impacted by this, because this hits differently for us as women than anyone else. So, what piece? could you give them that could help them right now to right. help them sharpen their needle mm -hmm. so that when they add it to the pile, then the synergy and the force there is so sharp that it really pierces at the heart of the system that we're here to attack. One thing I would say is that for women, black women in particular, or women of African descent uh, in, in America is that don't let anyone or anything restrict who you are, what you are, and your role, not only in your life, in your family, as a mother, if you're a mother, as a wife, if you're a wife, or someone's companion, whatever that is, don't be restricted in that. And don't be restricted in, in that in this movement. Wherever your spirit moves you, go there. Your spirit, not a spirit of fear, not a spirit of what they're going to think, what they're going to say, what they're going to do. The profound, powerful spirit that is you. Go with that. Don't worry about what they're going to say. Right. Because women who spend time worried about what other people are going to say are only going to do so much, if anything at all. Mm. You need to do what you were created to do, what your purpose is. 
Forget we spend so much time worried about what people are gonna do and say, and this is just people in general. We can't get them get done what we need to get done. You don't have to prove your worth when you're doing what you're supposed to do. Do do what your spirit compels you to do, and that spirit is compelled by things higher than itself, whether you believe in God or you do not, but you do know that you exist. Right? So in that existence, do what you need to do without feeling that because I'm a woman, I can't. Because you're a woman, you must. Because you are a woman, you can. You absolutely will do. Now, I don't know how many black women feel that way in certain spheres, but I know as far as culturally American culture, there can be a sort of restriction around what femininity and feminine energy can and cannot do. And femininity, just like being black, is not monolithic. It is dynamic. Manifest your your dynamic. The other thing I would say is amongst black women, and women of African descent in the Americas, again, that infighting, mm-hmm. that, go, that, that going back and forth, who's who, this, this, colorism, uh, hair textures, who got this body, who got, this is insignificant. It has never really mattered to that extent. American culture put an emphasis on your physical aesthetic. Not that you're not supposed to take care of it. You are, you, you are to take care of it, adorn it. It's, it it's, it's a temple. It is very sacred. So I'm not suggesting that at all. I'm the first advocate of that. But what I'm saying is, understand that heavy emphasis you put over there, put it on your totality, uh, the whole of your existence. Your mind, your spirit, right? Thinking beyond just what they dictate to you, what a woman is, and specifically what a black woman is, because that's, that's, a, that's a very unique existence within itself. Right. The level of intersectionality that a black woman deals with. Being a black woman, and, and God forbid she's impoverished, because then you'll have, even within um, particular races, and this is not exclusive to black people, you'll have, now you're dealing with socioeconomic status. So now you black, she, you black, she black, but because you have this position, you're a CEO, and she is working at Walmart, you think you better. Right. Again, that's infighting. All of that, get that out of the way. We have a mission as women. And one of those missions is not only uh, doing what we're called to do, but to ensure our posterity. That is also the mission of men, but it's definitely one of women. And I want to, and y'all, I I, I hate to, to even wrap this up, and I wanted to um, make a point. So I'm even going to give up my last final moments because I want Nicole to speak to this because I know she's going to have something powerful to say when we talk about that infighting. And it's direct relation when we talk about even to our males in the black community and how that is all part of that, I guess I call it it's like slave culture, that slave mentality when there was a, was a scarcity <laughs> of that mindset, that inner scarcity mindset. They got to completely come out of that. They need to think abundance. They need to think nation because whatever you're thinking, that's what you're moving towards. You know, like, like I have my, my school of sexology. Of course, there will probably be people that would have said, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. But see, I'm the co-argued MA. You can't tell me what I cannot do. I tell people straight in their face, you can't even tell me who I am. Right? They need to get to that. You're not going to tell me what I can see inside of me. It will manifest. Whatever that is in you, it will manifest. But the problem is people are not even seeing themselves correctly. 
This is worn out. This is torn down. And I'm not even saying they did that to themselves. It's systemic. It is. You have things going on. The system um, impacting our families because a lot of things you'll see they're generational. Yes. You'll see. You'll see a woman. A daughter has low self esteem because her mother was talking to her some kind of way. Speaking down to her, but her mother didn't get that absolutely out of nowhere. What happened to the mother? See, it's time for us to stop all the excuses and just somebody's got to be the breaker. Now, I'm a breaker. Right. If you know my story, you can go to, to my uh, Facebook, Mickey G Spot, and you'll see the story, right? And it's just an episode, right? <laughs> it's just an episode. But it's like somebody's got to decide. I have to know, and I mean it. And I mean it. It's not happening. That's the place we got to get to. And you got a lot of good stuff. So where can where can people? Because I know that they. Well, you mentioned a couple things that I think that many listeners are going to want to know more about and learn more about. Um, and you talk about that womb cleansing, and you talk about some of those other connections. And I'm gonna tell y'all, she got some good, amazing um, products in her store. Um, actually in my basket is one of my, um, like little black smudge sticks, but, (laughs) but she has a great products and she has a powerful voice in the message. Where can people find you to learn more about, um, who are you again? (laughs) Okay. So I am Nicole N-I-C-O-L-E middle initial R last name. Good. There's an E on that good for extra, ex- extraordinary, extravagant. So G O O D E. Okay. And so, <laughs> and so you, the simplest way is just to go to www.mickey, N I K K I, the letter G spot, S P O T.com. I am on um, Facebook. I am on Instagram. I actually have a school of sexology. These are university level courses that are available online. You can get there from any point on my social social media or Nikki G spot. Okay. And it's called the course called Nicole Argood MA School of Sexology. So you can look it up on Facebook as um, you put um, at the T H E Good G O O D E Learning Experience, and then I'll come right up, and there you will see all that I have made available to my people. Mm, and there y'all have it, y'all. And with that, that is a wrap for this special series on I want I felt like I almost said race and sex but you know that was our other our other show oh, race class and sisterhood and again if anything in this episode speaks to you and I know there was a lot that did so sit in it simmer in it but share it and I invite you to not only subscribe to Walking Through Glass, the podcast on iTunes, Google Music Play, Spotify, or Stitcher, but to please leave a review, comment, let us know what you think, and also what you want to see next. So um, have an amazing, amazing, amazing rest of the day, wherever you are in that. And until next time, later.